Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me today to Matthew, the 28th chapter, Matthew 28. Glory to God. In verse number 18, it says that Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This we commonly refer to as the Great Commission. But be reminded that the Great Commission is not just found in Matthew 28. The Great Commission is also found in the 16th chapter of Mark and in the 24th chapter of Luke and in the first chapter of Acts, because each one of those places records a variation of what Jesus said at this time, on, on, uh, on this day that he spoke these words. He spoke the words in Mark chapter 16, Luke 24, and Acts chapter one. He spoke all of those at the same time, at the same setting. And so just like each one of the writers of the gospels uh, many times will present his teachings, his parables, his miracles, the things he did and that he said in a slightly different um, uh, view, say it a little differently, you have to put a composite, you have to put it together to, to get a composite view of what's really happening. Isn't that right? So always remember the Great Commission is not just here in this chapter, but it's in these other chapters as well. And we'll look at some of those in just a few minutes. Last week, we talked about the fact that uh, John Wesley uh, made this statement and he said that it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, talking about Christians, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. And so we were talking about that and I pointed out, we won't go into all the scriptures because we wanna go further today. If you weren't here last week, you really need to listen, uh, not just to last week, but the weeks that went before that. All of this is on the internet. You can go online to our website and listen to these messages. Uh, but we showed from the scripture that it is in fact true that God is limited by our prayer life and that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Now, I will, I will add to that this uh, uh, amendment that there are things that God reserves in his own authority. But we're talking about things that have been given to the church, things that Jesus has accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection, and his seating at the right hand of the Father, the things that belong to us as Christians, those things that are, that are our rights and privileges he cannot do anything in those areas unless someone asks him. There are, in addition to that, there are a lot of things where humanity is concerned, even outside the church, that he cannot do unless the church asks him to do it. 
I'd also add, add these words to that. It's not always just asking. Sometimes it's just saying and declaring. Remember last week we talked about two ways you exercise authority. You can exercise authority by praying, but you can also exercise authority by saying. And, and those two are not the same, but they operate on the same authority. Amen? And so this is the authority that we've been talking about in the weeks past, and we want to sort of turn the page today and, and look at this from a, a little different direction. We know that when Jesus said these words, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, he was declaring something new. He was declaring something that had, had recently happened, something fresh, something new, something that didn't exist before. He didn't say, I have all authority. He said, all authority has been given to me. It's a different way of saying it, but it tells us that it's something has been given to him that he didn't have before. Amen. Now we pointed out that the authority that Jesus is talking about is Adam's authority. Now we know that to be true because Jesus came as the last Adam. Remember in our study, we talked about the fact that, that Jesus was the, was the archetypical man in that he stood in Adam's place and, and Adam of history from the book of, of Genesis was the first Adam and all who came from him, but then God brought Jesus into the earth a different way. He came by virtue of a, of a virgin birth. Now his mother can be traced back to Adam, but his father was God. Amen? So Jesus is God. He is the son of God. He is God the Son, the second person of, of the Trinity. And we know that, and we'll look at this in a little bit more in detail in a few minutes, we know that everything that was created in creation, he created it. But then when he became, when he took on flesh, when he came into the earth in Bethlehem and was born in, in the manger there in Bethlehem and took on humanity, he took on something that, that uh, uh, he didn't have as deity. As deity in, in eternity past, he always existed, but he took on humanity. And as a man, he defeated the devil. Now we know that the authority we're talking about is Adam's authority because that's why Jesus became a man. That's why he came into the earth born of a woman, born of a descendant of Adam. You understand that? His physical body, he was a descendant of Adam through Mary, his mother. But his holy sinless nature came from his father. Glory to God. We know that God gave humanity authority in the earth. Remember that? We won't read it today, but it's in Genesis chapter one. He created man and he says, now have authority in all of the earth. 
take dominion in the earth. So God gave dominion in the earth to man. We know that Satan came in and through deceit, he deceived Eve and tricked her and Adam willingly and with his eyes open and went along with it and, and surrendered that authority that God gave them and God gave man, surrendered that to the devil. The devil took that over. Jesus came and as the second Adam broke the power of the devil over mankind. Took that authority back. Now it says here, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus, this authority was given to him by virtue of his conquest of the enemy. He literally took that authority back. You see that in the first chapter of Revelation, the book of Revelation. He said, I am he who was alive. I'm, I'm he who lives. I was dead, but now I'm alive and I'm alive forevermore. He said, and I have the keys of hell and of death. He took those keys from the devil. And that's how he got that authority. Now, now let me say this just for, for clarification. I say some things sometimes to make a point that hasn't been made, but you need to bring the other side of it in just to make sure people are, are well-rounded in their thinking. The authority that God gave Adam is man's authority. It's not God's authority, it's man's authority, but the other side, the, you know there's two sides to every coin? The other side of that coin is all authority comes from God. And so in that sense, it's God's authority. Man doesn't operate in his authority apart from God. Go with me, hold your place here because we're gonna come back. Go with me to Colossians, the first chapter. Colossians chapter one. Verse number 14 says, in whom, this is talking about Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible. Now notice, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now, if you have a, 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 a reference Bible like mine, you, you might notice there's a note by the word principalities and powers. The word principalities, the same, and it's the same, what is said here is the same, it's true, I should say, in Ephesians as well. The word principalities is the word rulers. It means rulers. And the word powers there is exousia, and it's the word for authority. By him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rule or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So we know who we're dealing with here. We're dealing with God, the Son, the eternal Son of God. 
He created everything. Remember John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And all things were created by him, the word, and without him, there was nothing created that was created. And then drop down to the 14th verse, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is so amazing that the very one who created everything, glory to God, became flesh. He took on flesh. Glory to God. And like I said last week, he didn't take it on for a short period of time. The fact of Jesus' humanity is not an interval in his life. It's not just something that he picked up for a while and then when he got to heaven, he's no longer, he's still the man, Christ Jesus. He's every bit as human today as he was when he was here 2,000 years ago walking the shores of Galilee. He's ever bit as much of a, a, a man, a human being now as he was then. And he will be forever. Glory to God. See, he did that to bring us into that place. To bring us into sonship to bring us into fellowship with the Father, to bring us before the throne of God so that we could be seated at the right hand of the Father in him. He did all of that for us. Well, he's not going to turn around and abandon us. Oh, glory to God. Down through the, through the countless, endless, unimaginable ages to come, there'll be a man at the Father's right hand with holes in his hands and in his feet. The marks that he took in his short career here on this earth. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. And so that authority that he got was, was, is Adam's authority, but on the other side, all authority comes from God. So in that sense, God's behind the authority. It's based on God's authority, but it's particularly authority that God delegated to Adam. See, God delegated authority in the earth to Adam. It was his authority, and in, and in one sense it still is, but in the sense, that, uh, who, in, in the sense of who, it was, who, who was designated to operate that authority, that the operation of it was delegated to Adam and to mankind. Adam messed it up, Jesus got it back. Hallelujah. All authority, praise the Lord. Now here in Matthew, go back to Matthew, this is where Jesus delegates again the authority that God gave mankind Jesus delegates this to the church. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You, therefore, because of that, because of that fact, you go preach, teach. We're bringing in Mark now here in Luke and in, in Acts. You go out and preach. You go out and teach. You go out and baptize. You go out and heal the sick. 
You go out and cast out devils. You go out and speak with other tongues. You go out and receive the endowment from, uh, of power from on high and be filled with my spirit and you carry on my ministry. That's what Jesus was doing. He, he conferred his ministry upon the church in the earth and he conferred the authority that had been given to him in, in the earth. He conferred that to the church. He delegate that, delegated that authority to us. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let's, let's, let's remind ourselves, go to Ephesians again real quick. You know, I, you know I get in Ephesians 1, I'll just stay there but I'm not going to this morning. I have to discipline myself. <laughs> Verse 19, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now notice real, real close, this is where we're gonna transition into what I wanna talk about in the next few weeks. Far above all principality, that's all rule. All power, that would be the word authority. All might, that's the word power. That's the, typically uh, the word might there comes from dunamis and usually that's translated power. And the word power is the word exousia that's, that's oftentimes translated authority. I don't know why the, the translators of the King James Bible couldn't get this straight, but they just, they, they, sometimes they'll translate a word one way and sometimes they translate it another way. But it will help us to use it the same way. Amen. He said that he was seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power, and all dominion. Now notice and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but in that which is to come. There are other ages out there. We're in the church age right now, but the church age will come to a, to a close and we'll enter into a new age, but that name will always be supreme. Yeah. Glory to God. What Jesus did in his defeat of the devil, has gone down in the annals of, of eternity as the greatest act of dominion and power and conquest that the world has ever known, the universe has ever known, and ever will know. It stands as the model. It stands as the, as the, uh, as the pinnacle And he did it for us. Glory to God. And brought us into it. That's the thing. He didn't just do it for us. He brought us into it. And actually gave us the authority that he won. Glory. When that dawns on the church, when, we, when, we, when that goes off on the inside of men, it'll absolutely make them super men and super women. We just barely see it. I pray that we see it more and more and more and more. Hallelujah. Go with me to Philippians. First chapter of, or second chapter rather of Philippians. Verse number nine. Therefore God 
also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now the reason it says at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess is that during the remaining of this church age, it is up to men to choose to whom they bow. Men still have the right to choose. Now the day of reckoning is coming. There's coming a day when what men have chosen will be sealed for eternity. That's why we need to get the word out to people. There's coming a day when there won't be any more choice. But right now, men have the right to choose whether they will bow or not bow. But coming, there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But right now, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess when that name is used rightly. When it's used legally and, and by faith in the right application of it, knees bow, tongues confess. See, it, it said that at the name of Jesus. That, that's really a, a very uh, subtle but it's a very important distinction, not just in the name of Jesus, but at the name of Jesus. In other words, that name has to be invoked. That name has to be declared. That name has to be spoken on purpose by, by men who believe in it. And when you speak that name, then at the name of Jesus, I can't speak it over my fellow man and command him to believe. I can sometimes speak it over him and get certain blessings in his life, but to a limited degree. And thank God we ought to, we ought to use all that we can use. But in my own life and in your own life, you can speak that name anytime over anything that belongs to you and claim it and it'll bow. Every name will come into subjection to the name of Jesus when you speak it in faith. Glory to God. And that'll happen now. You don't have to wait for the millennium for that to happen. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. A name that's above every name. Jesus' name is above every name in the universe. Because he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven. Well, that's the heaven where God is. The heaven where God is governs all the universe. All authority, he said, has been given to me in heaven and on earth now. What he did was then he delegated that authority to us. He conferred that authority upon you. Upon you, 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 little old you. 
Hallelujah. Now, here's an important thing to remember. We talk about our authority in Christ and that authority has been given to us. But always remember, it is ultimately his authority. Jesus is the one who defeated the devil. Now, by virtue of the new birth, we were joined to him and brought into him in the mind of God. We we are joint participants with him in his death, his burial, his suffering, his, his quickening, his victory over the devil, his being raised from the dead, his, his ascension and seating. We're, we're in that. But we're in that as joint participants, but he beat a man. He's the one. I said, he's the one. He's the one. He's the one that did it. He's the one that got the authority. It's his authority by conquest. He did it. I didn't help him do it. You didn't help him do it. He did it by himself. Glory to God. It's his authority. But then he delegates his authority to us. Now, I just really want you to see this. That when we operate in the authority that's been given to us, we call it our authority, but never lose sight of the fact that it's his authority. It's been delegated to us. It's not on loan to us. I don't mean that. It's a permanent thing. He has given it to us, but it's still his. Let me illustrate it this way. You have a credit card, no doubt, in your purse or your wallet. And when you lose that card... You're out someplace and you get home and you, and you start looking for your card and it's not there, you begin to get panicky. And, and you say, I've lost my credit card. It's your credit card. It has your name on it. Right down there on the, on the left-hand corner, the front of it has your name, isn't that right? It's got your name, it's your credit card. And you are authorized to use that credit card. But ultimately, it's not your credit card. It's not. It's really not your property. It actually is issued to you by the bank, the financial institution that issued the card. It's really their property. They can take it back. It's theirs. You've been authorized to use it and it has your name on it and only you can use that card because it's your card, but it's not really. It's their card. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, the difference is in, in this analogy is that the authority is God's. It was given to you. And in, in, in essence, His authority has your name on it. You've been authorized. The difference between this and a credit card is a credit card, see, when you make a charge on that card, the the lending institution, they pay. If If you go to the supermarket 
And you lay that card down and you have $115 worth of groceries for a, for a couple of days. <laughs> you lay that card down and they run it through the machine. The credit card company buys those groceries. They buy them. The problem is you have to pay it back. You have a line of credit where that credit card is concerned. Very often they'll stipulate you have so many thousands of dollars line of credit. Our authority, we're not wait, we don't have a line of credit because we're not buying anything. Jesus has already bought it. Christ redeemed us. Galatians says, from the curse of the law. That word redeemed means bought us back. He paid for our redemption. On the cross, in his sufferings, in his defeat of the devil, he purchased our redemption. He purchased all the benefits that that name gives us. So we're not charging anything because the debt's already been paid. We're cashing in on what's already been paid for. Big difference in that in a credit card. I just used the credit card analogy to see the difference that, that it's his authority, but it's been given to you. Glory to God. And, 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 the, and the sicknesses, I mean, I mean the, the healing from the sickness has already been paid for. The prosperity's already been paid for. The peace has already been paid for. Yeah? The, the blessing that you're requiring and that you need and that you're asking for or speaking over has already been bought and purchased. He just wants you to use the card. He just wants you to use your authority. If you don't use it, somebody else is not gonna be able to use it for you. Now, I can use my credit card for somebody else for a little while but how many of you know that's not going to last very long? Eventually, I'm going to expect you to pay your own way. Well, you can use your authority for somebody else to a degree, but eventually God expects that person, if they're going to, you're never going to listen. You're, if you go out to eat with me once in a while, I'll buy you dinner. But you're not going to live off of me. Okay? You're not gonna live off of somebody else's authority. Not very long. It just doesn't work that way. You're not gonna live off of somebody else's uh, 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 faith and somebody else's authority. You're gonna have to have your own. And the thing is, you have your own. You ha you're authorized. You have the card. You're authorized to use the name of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. That authority that Jesus won is in the use of his name. That's where that authority resides. That's where it is. Now, it's given to us. We say that very often, and that's true. That's, that's one way of looking at it, but it's given to us the name. The name of Jesus is the card. Go with me to Matthew 18. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 18. Thank you, Lord. Verse 
Verse 18 says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, that's exercising authority, isn't it? Now, that, that's the authority that we exercise by saying. Then he starts talking about prayer in the next verse. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done by them or for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, we oftentimes people erroneously take verse, nine, verse 20 out of its setting and, and, and make it mean something that it doesn't mean. And some people will say, well, you know, where two or three people are gathered together in the name of Jesus, he's there, so we'll just have church down here at, you know, in, the, in the lobby of McDonald's in the restaurant. We'll just meet at a table you know, at, at, uh, at Outback and join hands and we'll have church. Because if two or three are gathered together in his name, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about church. He's not talking about having church. He's talking about the prayer of agreement. For, what does the word for mean? It means because of. Again, I say to you, verse 19, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven because where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Jesus is saying here that he and his word are one. You can't separate Jesus and his name. You cannot separate Jesus and his name. Go with me to Acts chapter four and we'll close with this verse. Acts chapter four. Acts four. You remember the man that was healed in the third chapter of Acts? The rulers gathered together and they, and they set the disciples, verse number seven, Peter and John in their midst. And they said, by what power or by what name have you done this? Written, notice something. They recognized that there was a power and a name behind what they did. In whose name did you do this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, just in case you don't know who we're talking about, the one just a short time ago that you nailed to the cross, by him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Notice verse 10. By the name of Jesus, and then in the last part of the verse, by him. They said, how did you do this? 
How is this man standing before us whole today? By what power, by what name did you do this? They said, by the name of Jesus, by him. Him and his name are one. You can't separate Jesus from his name. The authority that we operate in that's been delegated to us, because Jesus, remember, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. But then in Mark, he said, then go out and in my name. So you have to put those things together. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, I delegate that authority to you and you go out in my name and you cast out devils. In my name, you preach the gospel. In my name, you heal the sick. In my name, you teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. In my name, you baptize them. See, we exercise the authority that Jesus gave us by his name. I got into this habit several years ago. When I speak the name of Jesus over somebody, I got in the habit of saying, in the name of Jesus and by his authority. Now I do that to, to ground myself, to, to, to bring myself to the conscious exercise of faith in that name. Too often, we just use the name of Jesus as a closing. All prayer in the church age is in the name. Everything we do, we do in the name of Jesus. We worship in the name of Jesus. We minister in the name of Jesus. We get our prayers answered in the name of Jesus. It's by the use of his name and the, 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 the bad result from that is that we use it so much we don't think about what we're doing. We need to. In order for it to work, it cannot be just a mindless closing on a prayer or a command. It has to be something that you understand and consciously invoke that name. Understanding and banking on the fact that the credit card is backed by the man. That the man, that I have authority, all right, but it's his authority. And when I speak that name in faith and command it to be so Jesus is essentially saying, you use my name in prayer or in speaking and I will back you up. I'll back you up. Whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. Whenever you're speaking a command of faith, you ask it, he said, I'll do it. When you're asking in prayer, he said, you ask the Father and he will give it to you. But you ask it in the name of Jesus. Get yourself in the habit when you use that name if you want to exercise the authority of that name, get in the habit of saying, in the name of Jesus and by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Because you want to be conscious of that. Amen. It's so easy for these things to just become something we do by habit and there's no faith in it. 
And two, a lot of times we, we think of our prayers are going to be answered somehow on, on our merit. Now, we wouldn't think that. We wouldn't say that or think that consciously, but very often we do. We think, well, it's our faith. It's our walk. It's our this or our that. We're going to help somebody and we're going to stir ourselves up to just be strong. Listen, it's in the name. All the authority is in the name. It's not in your name. Thank God. It's not in my name. It's not, it's not in what I've done. It's what he did. It's not in who I am. It's who he is. It's not what I can accomplish. It's what he has already accomplished. We're not trying to get God to do anything. He's already done it. And the, and the, the authority is invested in that name. Oh, hallelujah. We can use that name. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's good news. Praise the Lord. Let's just lift, lift our hands and thank him for the wonderful name of Jesus that's been given to us. We have the right to use that name. We have the right to use that name. Thank you, Father. You've given every one of us, every single one of us, the right to use that name. Jesus gave it to us. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus gave you the right to use that name. You can use it as well as anybody can use it. It belongs to you as much as it belongs to me or anybody else. When he said, go therefore and in my name do this and do that, he wasn't just talking to the 11 apostles. He wasn't just talking to the group that was with them. He wasn't just talking to the church that was there on the day of Pentecost. He was talking to the church. He was talking to believers today. Go out and use my name. Glory to God. It makes all the difference in the world in your praying. It makes all the difference in the world in your ministering. It makes all the difference in the world when you're making your stand, when the enemy comes against you in the middle of the night and he comes against you with some kind of an attack. It makes all the difference in the world when you know the authority of that name and that you have it and when you use it, heaven backs you 100 out of 100 times. In the 16th chapter of John, Jesus said, up until now, you've not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Just ask in my name. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. It, you see, it takes it out of the realm of what you can do and puts it into the, into the realm of an absolute business transaction. E.W. Kenyon one time was preaching on the name of Jesus years ago, back in the 40s, 1940s. And after he got through ministering one morning, after he got through preaching, an attorney walked up to him. 
the end of the service. And he said, can I ask you a question? He said, certainly. He said, it sounds like you're saying that Jesus gave us the power of attorney. Is that what you mean to say? And so, and so Brother Kenyon asked him, he said, well, you're the attorney. You're the legal expert. You tell me. Is that what he did? And this attorney said, if words mean anything, he said, that's exactly what Jesus did. If words mean what they say, Jesus absolutely gave the church the power of attorney to use his name. And so Brother Kenyon asked him, he said, well, what's the value of that power of attorney? He said, it all depends on the value of the person behind the name. It depends on the value of the person behind the name. You know, if, if somebody in this life was a pauper and all they owned was a bicycle and slept in the street somewhere, if they gave you power of attorney to use their name, it wouldn't amount to much. They don't have much. What can you do with it? They don't have any assets. But if a billionaire gives you power of attorney, you can do a lot with that. Why? Because there's a lot behind that name. There's a name highly exalted. A name greater than any other name. That's what's behind the name. And like this attorney pointed out, Jesus gave you power of attorney to use his name. Glory to God. When you use the name of Jesus, it's just like Jesus did it. Do you understand that? That must not understand it. If you have the power of attorney over someone in this natural life and you sign your name, you've got the power of attorney to act on their behalf, that person is bound. Whatever contract you sign, they're bound to it. It doesn't matter whether you talk to them or not. You shouldn't give power of attorney to somebody that, that, that's not gonna do what you want, but you better have somebody that'll do what you want. Because when they do it, if they've got the power of attorney, then it's done. And you have to honor it. Jesus gave us power of attorney to use his name and when we use it, it's just like he did it. It's just like he did it. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.